0: Hello, I'm Michael Serapio, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Tonight on Primetime Politics, Reset. China
1: is an increasingly disruptive global power. Canada,
0: Canada unveils a new Africa, Africa, Indo-Pacific Africa. strategy, creating stronger ties with like-minded countries, pushing back against China. We'll speak with the Minister of National Defense about d role in the new plan and get reaction from a former ambassador to the People's Republic. Also, The top court welcomes Michelle Obonsawin to the bench, Canada's first Indigenous Supreme Court Justice. This is Primetime Politics. Hello everyone, I'm Michael Sarabio. Canada has a new strategy in the Indo-Pacific, focusing on shoring up relations with countries like India, Australia, Japan and the Philippines. And pushing back on what Ottawa calls China's coercive treatment of other countries. In broad strokes, the new strategy is a promise to invest $2.3 billion over the next five years, and it includes over $240 million to expand trade and investment in industries like agriculture and natural resources, more than $260 million to forge stronger people-to-people ties that includes improving the visa processing capacities in cities like New Delhi, Islamabad, and Manila. Money for a new office in the region for the Asia-Pacific Foundation of Canada, and an increased military presence in regional military exercises, with, which includes rather a new frigate that will be deployed. Well, with more, we're now joined by Canada's Minister for National Defence, Anita Anand. Minister, thank you for being with us.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Now, of course, the strategy is focused on the Indo-Pacific region as a whole, but China does figure largely in what we're seeing. I'm wondering how you would describe right now this country's current relationship with the People's Republic of China.
2: I will say that the thrust of the Indo-Pacific strategy vis-a-vis China is to ensure that we are challenging China where we need to and cooperating with China where we must. Uh, That is uh, very important as a general frame for understanding this uh, policy. But we have a number of different facets in the Indo-Pacific strategy. And from a defense perspective, my area, what we are going to do is to, for example, increase our naval deployments in the area of the Indo-Pacific so that we can contribute to peace and stability in that region.
0: Now, would you say that's going towards deterrence or is that to encourage our allies or more like-minded countries in the region?
2: I would say that there are multiple purposes. Those two are certainly uh, top of mind. Canada already has a presence in the Indo-Pacific. We do have two frigates, for example, that participate annually in Operation Projection with our partners and allies. And this third frigate that we are adding will enhance Canada's uh, presence in the region. Uh, For the past two years we have with the United States sailed through the Taiwan Strait and we will continue to make sure that we are present in the area to bolster the objectives of peace and stability.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, David Mulroney, of course, a name that you know, uh, Canada's former ambassador to China, he's quoted in the Globe and Mail today. And while he applauds uh, your government's plan to strengthen Canada's military presence in the region, he also wonders about the amount of money being committed. Uh, Is half a billion dollars enough, given the challenge that China presents and given the sheer size of the Indo-Pacific?
2: It is certainly an important step forward in terms of our military presence in the region. We aren't just adding a third frigate. That's the first pillar of our four-pillar defense strategy in the Indo-Pacific strategy, generally speaking. Secondly, what we are doing is to increase our participation in joint exercises contributing to capacity building, that is with training and mentoring, especially in the area of women, peace and security. And fourthly, we are going to be contributing our cyber capabilities from a defensive perspective and building our cyber relationships with our allies in the region. So it's a four-pronged strategy and we're very much looking forward to bolstering our presence in the Indo-Pacific as a result.
0: d as you know very well, already struggling with the recruitment. Uh, many Canadians are also aware of this fact. Are you at all concerned about meeting Canada's commitment, given uh, not so much the dollars of desire, but the logistical challenge of human resources?
2: There is no doubt that we need to continue to grow the Canadian Armed Forces. As you suggest, reconstitution, retention and recruitment are top of mind for us. At the same time, we need to recognize that the global environment is changing, and that from a, uh, an economic perspective and uh, person-to-person perspective, the Indo-Pacific is the world's fastest growing region. So it is important for us as a G7 country to have a strategy, to have a presence in the Indo-Pacific that is growing, as well as to pay attention, close attention to other important areas of the world, including uh, Ukraine, that is suffering from Russia's illegal further invasion of a democratic country.
0: So you're not worried uh, about meeting the numbers or you feel that the challenge can be met?
2: Of course, I am concerned that we continue to do what we need to, to become a fully-fledged and robust military as we are continuing to grow our numbers. Uh, But at the same time, we cannot overlook the important role that Canada plays in the world, in the Indo-Pacific and in Europe, just to name uh, two areas, not to mention the Middle East. And what that requires from a capability standpoint is for us to be nuanced about where we are placing our assets to make sure that we are able to undertake those exercises, those activities, and deploy those assets with the current capabilities and human resources challenges that we face. Uh, But that is the reality of any Minister in terms of ensuring that scarce resources are distributed prudently and efficaciously and we will continue to uh, be prudent in that manner.
0: Minister, I appreciate you have a very busy day today. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for this.
2: Thank you so much, Michael. Take care.
0: You too. Well, let's stay on the subject and get some analysis from Guy Saint-Jacques, who served as Canada's ambassador to China from 2012 to 2016. Ambassador, thank you for joining us.
3: Thank you for the invitation, Mr. Serapio. Uh,
0: I want to begin with your reaction to the new Indo-Pacific strategy, uh, both positive and negative. uh, Beginning with the positive, what do you give the government points for here?
3: Well, I'm very pleased with uh, uh, what we have seen uh, yesterday after the announcement of uh, Mrs. Uh, Joly Uh, In fact, uh, uh, the the strategy is pretty comprehensive. It has five objectives, and this is what I was expecting, because if you are serious, you have to deal with uh, national security and defense. You have to address development, uh, trade, uh, uh, geopolitical issues, of course, uh, and uh, climate change and uh, environment, and all those elements are there. And the acid test also is uh, how much new resources are devoted to the exercise. And from that point of view, I think it's difficult to, uh, to, uh, to be critical of the government with 2.3 billion. Of course, we'll have to see uh, more details over time. Uh, and uh, in fact, that in, in some areas, uh, it might not be uh, enough for uh, what we want to achieve. The okay. other very, the, the other very important part of the strategy, I would say, is the much firmer tone towards China, and it would have been very difficult for Ottawa to come up with any other kind of strategy towards China, knowing that it it disregards international law and norms, that it acts as a bully, it takes people hostage, and also the strategy is telling the Canadian business people. It's your choice if you want to continue to do business with China, but here uh, is an alternative. We will um, help you to uh, develop new markets, to find new sources for your supply chain, and I think this will be welcomed by the business community.
0: Mm -hmm. So some clarity, the breadth, the the tone uh, towards the People's Republic. So pick up, uh, you alluded to it a little bit, but let's pick up on the negatives then. What is missing from this strategy for you?
3: Well, the, uh, you know, uh, I would have liked to see a bit more detail on Taiwan. What is in the strategy is good, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, we uh, will have to see. Will the government decide to, uh, to send uh, an economic minister or a trade minister to, uh, to Taiwan? The last one uh, was John Manley, who went there as Minister of Industry in 1998. The other thing where I hope we will get more details is uh, how will Canada work with allies to develop uh, common positions because the uh, the strategy says that we will be working with uh, allies to push back on China. One thing also that is very interesting, this new concept of security in the Pacific uh, North, and there's a link with uh, Arctic sovereignty. I think if the government is realistic, it will understand that in fact this is an area where we will have to substantially increase our investment because uh, if we are serious about protecting our sovereignty uh, in the Arctic, we need more ships, more planes. We'll have to invest more In NORAD, but again it's an interesting concept. Mm
0: -hmm. Now China's foreign ministry is already pushing back. Uh, They're responding to the Indo-Pacific policy. It accuses Canada of hyping up uh, the quote-unquote China threat, making unwarranted accusations, says Beijing, and says that uh, China is gravely concerned. So should this country be worried uh, from the reaction that we're already getting from Beijing?
3: Well I I think it would have been uh, very difficult to expect any other reaction from Beijing. You know, Let's remember that uh, a month ago, Minister, Minister Freeland uh, uh, called for uh, French and, and said that we have to reduce our dependency on autocracies. Uh, this was followed by Minister Champagne telling three uh, Chinese companies to uh, sell their investment in critical minerals in Canada. There's a spying case uh, in Montreal. And now on top of this, uh, Uh, Canada is telling China that we'll have a much firmer position towards you. The trust has been lost. You are a disruptive power, and we will want a a much more uh, narrow uh, engagement strategy. I think that the the risk is that uh, China will say, well, uh, we we don't really care about engaging with you, Canada, uh, if that's the choice that you are offering. But if the They are honest, they will recognize that uh, in areas like the environment and public health, Canada has already invested a lot in China. It was Canada through its development assistance program that helped to create the Ministry of Environment. Uh, There was good work uh, taking place. And the the test will be to see how Canada will interact with China at the COP15, the the biodiversity summit that starts next week in Montreal.
0: Mm -hmm. Guy St-Jacques, thank you for the time.
3: Thank you for the invitation.
0: And just to note, we did ask Ambassador Saint-Jacques for his commentary on the COVID protests happening right now in the People's Republic of China. You can find his answer on YouTube by searching CPAC. Let's now listen one more time to the Foreign Affairs Minister, Melanie Jolie, who led the announcement Sunday as she unveiled the new Indo-Pacific strategy. The North Pacific, our neighborhood, alongside japan and south korea is facing real security threats
1: from north korea as it continues reckless missile launches and from china who continues to challenge international norms
2: now when it comes
1: to china we have a clear framework uh, when it comes to dealing with the government of china and uh, we will engage in diplomacy because we think diplomacy is a strength at the same time we'll be firm And that's why we have now a very transparent uh, plan to engage with China.
0: As we heard from Guy Saint-Jacques, Canadians should not be surprised that China is pushing back on the strategy. In fact, China's foreign ministry has already shared that it has sent quote, solemn demarches to Ottawa. And with more reaction, let's bring to our program now our MPs panel for today. Arif Varani is the Liberal MP for Parkdale High Park in Ontario. He's also the Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister for International Trade. Garnet Genuis is the Conservative Member for Sherwood Park Fort Saskatchewan and Alberta. He's also the Vice Chair for the Commons Committee on Foreign Affairs. And Heather McPherson is the NDP Member for Edmonton Strathcona, also the Deputy Whip for her party. Hello to the three of you.
4: Hi
0: there. Hi there. Uh, Mr. Varani, I'm going to start with you, uh, beginning with the message here. What message is your government trying to send with this new Indo-Pacific strategy?
4: Well, I think the message is quite clear. What we're trying to do is we're looking at the uh, economy and where it is heading, and we are preparing Canadians for that. We know that the Indo-Pacific region is home to 65% of the world's population. It's going to be two-thirds of the global middle class. What we're trying to do is engage with that part of the world, diversify our supply chains, diversify our trade and investment, ensuring at the same time we are addressing things like security needs, environmental needs, addressing human rights concerns, and addressing sort of regional collaboration in a multilateral manner. So, effectively, what we're doing is making a down payment on the future of the Canadian economy on behalf of Canada's people. But it also, it seems, a reset on the China policy. It's definitely, there's a, you've noted obviously over the past few years, uh, the actions of China, their expansionism, their arbitrary detention of two very notorious Canadians, have have really shone a light on that relationship and we are going in with an eyes wide open strategy and approach and we're being very clear, there's fully two, two and a half pages of the document that are devoted just to China, but it's important for China to understand that, but it's also important for the rest of the world to understand that. because we are building up those alliances with other democratic, liberal governments in the region, things like Japan, Korea, the world's largest democracy, India, and in showing a joint force vis-a-vis Chinese expansionism and some of the Chinese trade policies and detention policies. We are speaking as a, in unison as a, a group of nations uh, in terms of how we will be handling handling an ever more expansionist China, and that's important to the Chinese, but it's also important for Canada, because ultimately this is a Canadian strategy that's meant to benefit. Canada's interests, Canadian businesses, Canadian uh, individuals who live in this country who want to see prosperity through greater engagement in the region.
0: Uh, Mr. Genuis, I'm wondering what your assessment is. Uh, Your party, of course, has uh, spoken out uh, about China's human rights abuses. It's taken a fairly strong stance over these uh, past few years. Is this a strong enough message being sent by the Trudeau government with this new strategy?
1: Well, I think actions speak louder than words. We've seen a lot of dithering and delay. This strategy itself was was much delayed from when the government uh, had initially said such such a strategy was coming. They haven't had a coherent policy for a long time. And now it sounds like they're trying to sound a little bit more like Conservatives in the words, that they're using but they're still acting like liberals the liberal cabinet still abstained from yet another vote in the last month to recognize uh, the weaker genocide the government of canada is still uh, uh, is still heavily invested in the chinese state controlled asian infrastructure investment bank we should be strengthening relations with our democratic partners in the region and conservatives have been saying this for a very long time. Uh, liberals have been behind on it, and, and they're still not not all in. They're still spending our, our dollars through the AIIB. They're still, at, at the government level, refusing to recognize uh, the Uyghur genocide. So th- we, we see them trying to sound a little bit more like Conservatives today, but they're still acting like Liberals.
0: Ms. McPherson, what's your assessment uh, of this strategy? Are you happy with what you've heard? Do you think it lacks in certain areas?
5: Well, you know, I think that it's 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 great that the strategy has come forward. I think that I commend the government for bringing the strategy forward. I will agree that it's far too late. This has taken a very long time. There's there's no reason why we should have sent the Prime Minister to, to South Asia in the last few weeks without this strategy. There's no reason why we've been waiting for this for such a long time. So while I'm happy to see the strategy in place, I'm happy to see it it um, brought forward, I, I do have concerns about how long it's taken. I also have to say that that, you know, this is a government that we have heard time and time again tell us that they are going to do something, tell us that they are going to take action, and we don't see the follow-up, we don't see the action. It's a government that's very good at words, not great at action. You know, we have a feminist international assistance policy, never funded. We have a core ombudsperson that's supposed to be protecting Canadians or people around the world from Canadian mining companies never given the tools to do the work that they need to do. You know, we we have a government that refuses to acknowledge the Uyghur genocide. Um, you know, we have a minister that was just recently in Qatar and did not speak about human rights abuses in that country while he was there, and so I, you know, I like what I see. I like some of the things that are in the strategy. I'm going to be watching very, very closely to see how this is implemented and how this is actualized.
0: Hey, Mr. Farhani, I'll get you to pick up there because the the, the Uyghur genocide raised by, by both your colleagues beside you right now, there's also questions as to uh, what the government is doing to, to address uh, perhaps more forcefully the existence of Chinese police stations in Canada, uh, as well as the allegations of uh, election interference. Uh, what do you say to those criticisms, that on the one hand you have this new strategy as a government. But as we heard, not only from your two colleagues, but in commentary around this Indo-Pacific strategy, that there needs to be more particulars in terms of addressing the overreaches in this country as well.
4: And those are, uh, in terms of addressing some of those concerns, so let me be very, very specific. The document, when it highlights aspects of the relationship with China, highlights Tibetan human rights, Uyghur human rights, the rights of democracy protesters in Hong Kong, protecting Taiwanese integrity and territorial safety in terms of our naval investments, but also in terms of ensuring that further encroachments on the Strait of Taiwan are not tolerated. Those are important. Let me just refer back to something that Garnet had said, because I take strong issue with it. There's no effort to sound conservative in this document. we promote the environment with $750 million of sustainable infrastructure investments and when we promote $100 million in feminist international development assistance, those aren't conservative priorities. Those are liberal priorities and have always been liberal priorities, and we are putting dollars attached to those priorities. So that's really, really important. In terms of the point that you raised uh, in terms of espionage and interference, those are very, very concerning. We are furthering all investigations in that regard. But we know that the critical incident response group that we put in place, prior to the 2019 election, which was also in place in the 2021 election, did not see any overt interference that would rise to the level that Canadians needed to be alerted to. So the message for Canadians watching a program like this is that the 2019 and the 2021 election were free and fair. Does that justify any levels or attempts at interference? Absolutely it does not. That's something we always need to be on the watch for. To that, by that token, there's also an investment of about 70 million dollars into cybersecurity safety, which is part and parcel of the military safety components of this strategy. It took some time to deliver because it's so multifaceted. There's immigration investments, environmental investments, human rights investments, and serious efforts at diversifying our trade in ASEAN, with India, and with Indonesia.
1: Yeah, let's, let's set the record straight here right the government isn't delivering they're finally starting to talk about certain issues that have in fact been issues for at least at least seven years these concerns about foreign interference in Canada uh, about the targeting of, of uh, Canadians from diaspora communities with intimidation with threats of violence uh, these are long-standing concerns I've been raising uh, these issues in the house for as long as I've been a member of parliament as have other members of our caucus uh, and and this government has been called on by by so many outside groups as well as parliamentarians to take strong measures, to to take legislative action uh, and to put resources behind protecting our security and our sovereignty. The government hasn't done that, now they've come out with a document that that in part starts to acknowledge some aspects of the problem, uh, but this isn't action, this is finally using some of the the right words, but but the, the proof will be in the actions the government takes or doesn't take. We still haven't seen new legislation to respond to the issues of foreign interference. We haven't seen any proposals from the government to respond to issues of foreign interference. Uh, we haven't seen support to victims of foreign interference. We haven't seen a willingness to recognize the weaker genocide or uh, or pull out of the AIIB. I will give uh, Mr. Varani credit. He gave a speech in the House calling on his government to recognize the weaker genocide, and yet the, uh, the front bench of his party didn't listen to him. Uh, this is the problem we have. Uh, that that there's still a talking out of both sides of of their mouth uh, when it comes to these fundamental human rights issues, uh, and, uh, and and again, p- putting putting a few extra words out there that are things conservatives have been talking about for a long time, but continuing to fail to deliver. This is a huge problem.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got about three minutes left. I, I do want to ask one more question uh, on the. I guess the, the other perspective on this, and Ms. McPherson, I'll get you to start us off and sure. I'll go down the row here. Uh, because, uh, on the one hand, there is this policy, tougher language, a reset, if you will, with the China relation. Mm-hmm. But we still have China as one of this country's uh, largest trading partners. There are Canadian businesses uh, who, through a generation, have been encouraged to foster these economic ties with China. Yeah. Are you worried about the impact this strategy will have on those businesses and individuals?
5: Well, thanks for the question, Michael. You know, what I, what I see is that... Canadians want their 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 relationship with China. They want their government to actually have a stronger relationship with China that that holds China to account. That holds China when they are when they are hurting um, human rights, when they are hurting values that Canadians Canadians agree with. You know. Canadians want to see our values around the world. We want to see things like democracy, human rights protection, all of these things. So the vast majority of Canadian companies want that as well. You know, we should be looking at things like due diligence legislation and making sure that that's in place and that there are teeth for that legislation. We, you know, we will be working with China. China is, a, is a vastly too big to not work with them also vastly too important to miss when things like environment like things like health we are going to work with china but what i'm hoping we can do is find a way to work with china when we need to when those things align and also hold china to account when they don't when china acts against protesters when china acts against their own citizens we have to have the moral courage to stand up we have to have the moral courage to to demand that china follow the rule of international law so it is a balance and i And I do want to work with the government on this balance, on making sure we get it right. But at this point, you know, we have a piece of paper. We don't have action. So I'm looking forward to moving that forward.
0: Mr. Januus, 30 seconds to you on that. Uh, Are you concerned about business impacts?
1: Well, I think it is challenging
5: for for businesses
1: and everybody else when we've got such inconsistent messages uh, coming out of out of the government and it seems that foreign policy is one area where prospective leadership candidates are trying to are trying to differentiate themselves uh, and that does create an inconsistency in terms of the the, the message the reality is though in terms of, of economics and trade uh, we need to have secure supply of, of critical goods and we, we saw this through the pandemic how important it was to have secure supply chains that were uh, that were were protecting human rights and that also weren't going to be arbitrarily cut off for political reasons. So I think this is something we need to take on board. And this is this is the time now. We should have been doing it for years, but but we need to now move forward with strengthening uh, trade uh, and other ties with like-minded democracies in the region, Taiwan, South Korea, mm-hmm. India, Japan,
4: et cetera.
0: Okay. Arif Arani, the last 30 seconds to you.
4: Sir, so, so very briefly, with respect to the Uyghurs, this document highlights specifically the lack of Chinese cooperation with the UN Human Rights Council, that's something that our government, including Cabinet, has been advocating for. With respect to the business and trade community, in my Parliamentary Secretary role, what they've been asking us for is exactly this strategy. They are very encouraged by what we're putting on the table, increased investments, a more of a Team Canada approach, a business offices located in the region that can help with things like agricultural producers exactly. in, in Alberta, etc. Those are critical towards the trade diversity that we need that will help Canadian businesses. Far from being threatened by this policy, they're actually encouraged by it.
0: Okay. Well, we obviously need an hour-long show to accommodate the <laughs> three of you. But for right now, our Farhani Garnett, uh, Jen and Heather McPherson, thank you so much for the time tonight.
5: Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Michelle Bonswin was sworn in as a Supreme Court Justice on September the 1st, but today she received her official welcome from the other justices on the top court. Madame Abonsawin is the first Indigenous person to serve on the Supreme Court, and this is, in part, some of her words reflecting on the moment.
5: I hope that my journey to this court will inspire young women to pursue their dreams. I am a big believer that if you have a goal, work hard and never give up, you can make things happen and achieve those dreams. I love to meet youth, as you've heard. I often talk to them about my journey, and of at times the mistakes that i've made i've fallen down i've made mistakes however mistakes have been my teachers and i have learned from those mistakes i have always gotten up and continued at times with trepidation but always moving forward
0: and in the coming weeks we will have a feature interview with madame Abonsawin. but for now that is our program i'm michael serapio for everyone here at cpac thank you for watching We'll see you again tomorrow.